Uh, Marcus Aurelius, a Roman Empire from 161 to 180 AD, famously said that what we do now echoes into eternity. It was a quoted also and adapted in a, a slight uh, changing of some of the, the wording in the movie Gladiator. Um, both times when it was used, it was used with the intention to increase our desire to uh, think about the effects of what we do today and how it ripples into eternity. If studies around temporal um, discounting, say temporal discounting, that's a a um, psychological term that they use, temporal discounting are correct. While we are a little more disposed towards accepting short-term pain to avoid longer-term or increased pain, it's a bigger challenge to try and get people to be prepared to put some stuff aside um, for the future, to delay for future rewards. You might remember I spoke a little while ago about delayed gratification. We had that marshmallow um, and the video of the, the child, um, you know, do I eat it now? If I eat it now, then I won't get too later, that sort of thing. If you missed that, then it's on our Facebook page. And one of the studies that they've found is to give, uh, to talk to an adult and say, okay, well, if I was to give you $5 now, or $10 in a month's time, what would you prefer? And they find that overwhelmingly people would prefer to go with the $5 now because then they're not sure of what will happen in the future. And there's this immediacy response that we have of wanting stuff now rather than holding on. So me being a realist, I accept the reality that many here today will do nothing to change the patterns of the way you live as a result of this message today. Some others of you have already adopted a different way of thinking that brings about a change in the way that you live. And so today's message will hopefully be an encouragement for you and in your life. And there are a third group here today, and I wish I could monitor which the third group might be, but a third group of us here today that as a result of the message today, we'll hopefully nudge you a little bit more to make some changes to the way that you live. But regardless of which of those three groups that you reside in, each of us will live with the consequences, the echoes, the ripples into eternity. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 31. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 31. You see, the Bible also teaches that our decisions today and in the days ahead will have an effect and potentially even change our future situation in eternity, our future reality. Today is the second last of our Living Values series and it's been a privilege to meander through the Sermon on the Mount It's also been um, a a great privilege of mine to be able to do uh, this with Matt and Lynette. And on Mondays, we spend some time reflecting on the the Sunday service and the message that was preached. We also share ideas during those times about the week that's coming up and the message that's going to be preached. And we'll brainstorm and challenge one another and, and spur and encourage one another on. And if you've missed Lynette's message from last week, then can I encourage you to uh, 
to uh, mark on the response card that you'd like a copy of that on a CD and we can organise that for you, or you can listen to it via our podcast, which, out of interest, since starting those in July this year, we've had over 250 occasions where people have listened to our messages online, which is great. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34, we read the following words of Jesus, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. As Jesus calls us to live out the value of investing today for eternity. Jesus says this, Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's why I tell you you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store their food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Life in Jesus' day was fragile. Infant mortality rates could range depending on where you lived and what the situation of life was from between 20 to 30%. And in really tough times, some of the reports that I was reading said that it could be 50, even up to 75% infant mortality rates. In the Roman Empire, in the the first and second centuries, it was um, regular that they wouldn't name their child for one to two weeks because they thought, well, it may not survive. And so it was only after that period of time would they worry about naming the child. Pests and disease could wipe out crops with little to prevent it. Your ability to overcome and prosper was considered a sign of both God's blessing and your resourcefulness, your abilities. 
Rather than buying a Rolls Royce, people would show off their wealth in the day of Jesus by building bigger barns, as we heard from our reading today, or maybe dousing themselves with fine perfume or a fresh new cut of clothes. And while investing in more donkey power or building a bigger house or a new set of threads might be nice, the potential for these things to slip through your fingers um, without the back of insurance was very real. So Jesus questions, he even goes so far as to challenge the culture of scarcity, hoarding and immediacy, to call people to look beyond the horizon and how valuing an investment for today for eternity should radically shape our life and the lives of his disciples. Life after death grew in focus of the literature, um, in the conversations of people, in the 400 years between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, what is called commonly the intertestamental period. As a result, the New Testament gives us a greater number of clues as to eternity and the new heaven and the new earth. In just a few moments, allow me to give you the briefest of pictures of the new heaven and earth. In Revelation 21, it talks about how God, Father, Son and Spirit will reside with us, that there will be no more pain, no more tears or sorrows. That ache that you felt when you got up this morning won't be there anymore. Uh, It will look beautiful like a precious jewel. It will be unparalleled in colour and in diversity. There will be no sun, no stars or moon, no night, no fear. You won't forget where you left something. Where did I leave those keys? Because you wouldn't need keys to lock anything up because no one's going to steal anything. You will have perfect memory. That's something that I'm looking forward to. You'll be able to fully experience pleasure. It'll be a place of celebration. You will never, ever be bored. If Genesis 1 and 2 gives us something to, as a glimpse of the new earth, it, will, uh, um, it might look something like or be possibly like the Garden of Eden, that there will be amazing food, there'll be responsibility, there'll be work, but work that will actually be a pleasure, not a burden. But it's also interesting to note that when we read about the new heaven and the new earth and eternity, that there will be rewards. We will be rewarded according to what we have done now. The greatest now, Jesus suggests, will be the least then. And the least now will be the greatest then. That there will be different responsibilities. The the 12 disciples will judge um, on 12 thrones. There will be uh, the, the various things that we've given up now, uh, when Jesus was talking to Peter and interacting about that, that we will receive a hundred times in the age to come and eternal life. And in Matthew 25, we read about talents and the investing of those talents and the rewards for what we have done. So while there are general blessings, there is joy, there is celebration, etc., the Bible does explicitly and consistently state that there will be differences in reward and experience and responsibilities in the new heaven and earth for eternity. Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and following reminds us that if we really want to get the best uh, return on what God has blessed us with, 
then we need to invest today for eternity. Verse 19 to 21 describes the frailty of life and possessions as we um, think about um, what we gather in this life. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, then the desires of your heart will also be. When we invest, when we value investing today for eternity, it transforms our priorities. You know, there's there's that saying that goes around, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, when we invest for eternity, it challenges those priorities of having more toys now, more stuff now. When we look at what we invest our time, our talents, our abilities in, our treasures, our financial resources, we invest with an eye to the future. We also recognise that life is short. We live in a disposable society, throwing away mountains of items rather than repurposing them or recycling them. No, this isn't a plug for our op shop. Um, When we value investing today for eternity, we value resourcing um, what we are blessed with in such a way that it transforms our priorities, our stewardship of these resources, without them becoming mini-gods. We value them, but we don't idolize them. We have them in a proper context. We, we value them as gifts, as blessings from God. And we treat them as such. But we never, ever worship them. Think for a moment about what you can take into eternity. It's not going to be the latest iPhone. It's not going to be a, ha- a car or a house. Ultimately, when we go into eternity, what are we going to have? Each other. And that's the biggest clue on how we can change our priorities. Rather than being about me, it becomes about us. And not an us and them, it's an all of us. Reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, where Jesus, talking to his audience, says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing to me, and that will be rewarded. For us as a church, we need to hold on to the things around us lightly. It is our relationship with God and our relationship with each other that is truly valuable, truly worthy of investment. You know, I saw four people do a bit of investing yesterday. You see, we had the Safe Churches workshop yesterday and there were four people, um, Terry and Lorraine and uh, Roz and Chris, that invested their Saturday. And Saturdays are pretty precious. They invested their Saturday to make sure that we have a safe church, that we care about our kids. They were investing not in making sure that they're filling out the legal requirements. They were saying, kids matter. And I think that's something that God rewards those sorts of investments. Investing today for eternity not only transforms our priorities, having less of a focus on our possessions, and more of our focus on people. But investing today for eternity also enlightens us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23 says, Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. 
When your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if, you're lo- and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. It's amazing how our outlook is related to our inlook and how one affects the other. When we have a sour outlook on life, it spoils our inlook as well. It sours our attitudes, our character. But by investing today in eternity, it gives us something to look forward to. It helps us to keep things into perspective. It allows us to have a better sense of the real value of what we do and say and with the people around us and the possessions around us. We need to allow the light of Jesus in us and through his enlightenment of us, it gives us good eyes to see with a new perspective, a new understanding, a new way to engage in life. It enlightens our mood, our relationships with each other. But there's also a danger that Jesus warns about here. That is the danger of self-deception. You see, if we think that we have this light outlook on life, a bright outlook on life, and we actually have a pretty dark outlook on life, there's this form of self-deception that takes place. And I wonder if you have something, someone that you've given permission to, a person that you've given permission to, that if you start to have a darkish tinge to your outlook on life, they're allowed to speak into your life and challenge you about that. And I wonder if you have been given that permission, would you be prepared to love someone enough to take that up? Because, hey, listen, I've just noticed of late that there seems to be this darkness that's, that's coming over you about your outlook on life. What, what's going on? Your conversations tend to be a little bit more negative at the moment. Can you tell me what's happening for you? Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. May we be people that will commit to each other to keep each other sharp, to keep each other being light. Investing today for eternity transforms our priorities. It enlightens us. Investing today for eternity also helps us to focus on our commitments. Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Millions of dollars each year are spent in advertising the immediate. We want to advertise and promote the immediate. The immediate uh, results, instant rewards, instant pleasure. And the gods of commerce want us to spend our way into a better future. Money referred to here in Matthew is broadly speaking, talking about not only our financial wealth, but also our property and other forms of possessions. And while there is some acknowledgement that a slave can be owned by two masters, and often that's in the case of a slave being owned by two brothers, the problem comes with one brother sets the slave free. Is the slave then actually free? Or is he still a slave? Also, the hate that Jesus refers to here is similar elsewhere where he says you must hate your mother and uh, father, your brother and sister. It's, it's a comparative hate, a comparative statement to show the depth of our desire for love and devotion to be at work in us. When we focus here on the here and now, we focus so easily on money. 
And when we focus on money, we so easily focus on the here and now. It's not that money and resources are wrong. Rather, Jesus wants us to be voted to be devoted to him, to be committed to him. And when we are, it makes the difficult decisions in life clearer. What do you spend, what do your spending habits say about what you're committed to? So we've got investing today for eternity transforms our priorities. It enlightens us, it helps us to focus our commitment. And last, investing today for eternity relieves our concerns. Now, please note that this is not a magic wand statement, a magic wand passage that if we just wave this over someone, suddenly they will stop having any form of worry. There are times when people have medical conditions of anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, or a variety of other things that need additional support, treatment, care and concern. God's purpose here is not to have you feel more guilty about a medical condition, but neither is it an excuse to play victim. Jesus does want to challenge us. He does want to encourage us to allow this value to be outworked in the way we live. And when we do, it is a powerful witness to those around us. Let's read this passage quickly. Verse 25 says, That is why I tell you, do not worry, you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, life, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. That doesn't mean that you have attention distraction disorder. Or anything. No. Um, look at the birds. Take note of them. Study them. Understand them. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about the things, these things saying, what will we eat? What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles... Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, it's interesting to note that Paul, the Apostle Paul, carried concerns. So we've got to put this in context. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. He, he expresses this concern as a burden, not as a, as a weighty thing that he hates but it's something that he carries a concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray where I don't burn with anger? So you've got on one hand someone carrying a burden of concern, but then also you have Jesus in Luke chapter 10 where he encourages Martha not to sweat the little stuff. Don't worry about the things that distract, 
become a barrier in your relationship with God. Rather, allow those things that do bring concern to draw you closer to God. Investing today for eternity relieves our concerns. It has us take them to God. Believe it or not, I actually do listen to Mary. And she regularly says that when struggles and annoying things happen, in the eternal scheme of things, does that, whatever that might be, really matter? Now, that doesn't mean that we become careless or carefree, but it does mean that we hold the things in this life in check against the eternal. And those things that will matter for eternity deserve our investment. Now, I've just lost my place. There we go. So, as we think about our time together, I want to take some time for us to allow some of what we've talked about today and for us to reflect upon these four areas. And as they're on the screen, oh, no, they're not. There we go. As they're on the screen, which of these areas do you believe God most wants you to foster and invest in for your life? When you think about those different things, where's somewhere that you believe God might be wanting you to invest in? And the second thing that I want you to consider is I talked about those three groups of us here today. Those that, doesn't matter what happens, not going to change. For those that are already putting some of this in place, and for the others that are thinking, yeah, I want to make some changes here. Which of those three groups do you believe that you sit in? We're going to have an opportunity to respond now. And I'd encourage you to pull out those response cards, and there might be a prayer of commitment that you want to bring to God, to say, hey God, in this area, I want to see some difference being made. Or I want to try and focus a little bit more in this part of my life. Or perhaps you might want to make a prayer of response to say, God, there is this barrier in my life as far as how I should be responding. There's this obstacle. And to commit that to God, to say, God, would you help me to deal with this obstacle in my life? We're going to have some music played. And then after the music's played, we're going to have the team come up. They're going to lead us in our final song. And then I'll come and collect those response cards as well. God bless you.